Welcome to Max Volume, where we deliver loud takes at soothing decibels. This is episode number 33, so shout out to Larry Bird, the ultimate 33. Which got me thinking, actually, would Larry Bird be good in today's NBA? Yes? No? I don't... I think so, because I feel like he'd be a taller Steph Curry. Like, he's a good shooter, great passer, had good instincts on defense, like, you know, slow foot, but got in, got in some passing lanes, unbelievable passer. Really big, good in uh, clutch games too, and I feel like he didn't really utilize the three point, the three point line as much as he would now. Now he'd be just chucking them, and plus, you know, he's got the mullet, the wispy mustache. He'd be a cult icon too. So, I think Larry Bird would work. So, if anyone's thinking about cloning Larry Bird, let's get it done. But uh, today started kind of lousy. Uh, I'm trying. I tried a new diet kind of thing. Uh, I've been eating oatmeal for breakfast, and by breakfast, I mean like two, three in the afternoon you know when I wake up and you know it's satisfying it's like my one kind of sweet thing I put a little bit of almonds and uh, raisins in it it's not bad I just I could eat it forever and I've eaten the same thing for like two three o'clock for the last two months so I was like let me try something different let me shake it up so I didn't buy oatmeal this week and now my body was all cranky and I was like craving something sweet but eventually you adjust I mean I threw some chickpeas and green beads in this in this like curry cumin soy sauce kind of vibe and I threw it down my gullet and I was on my way and it wasn't bad so I miss it but I mean I think by like day two or day three I'll get I'll get back onto something else I'm a man of consistency so I could eat that oatmeal thing for the next if you told me that's my breakfast for the next five years I'd sign in blood I'd be like all right cool but I want to try something different see if I feel any different and so far not so good but it's you know, first day. And I think also being in this stinky mood is because I was consuming large quantities of this Netflix show, Dark, the past few days. And it's just this drab, morose time travel show that kind of sucks your soul, you know, through a straw, like milkshake and uh, there will be blood. It just sucks it out of you. And I don't know, just uh, it's one of those shows that just sinks its jaws into you. And like, I had to listen to Dimitri Martin today, you know, the stand-up comedian, to kind of shake the cobwebs out, and that helped a little bit. So he's like an Ivy League, Seinfeld, nerd humor kind of guy. One of my favorite things he does is he says, uh, if you put DJ in front of someone's name, they lose all credibility. It's like, give it up for DJ Abraham Lincoln. And I just remember seeing that on a show like five, six years ago and laughing my butt off. So that brought me back. I took the dogs for a walk and listened to some clever uh, kind of PG humor. And that was fun. It brought me back from this dark black hole that was dark. So why did I watch it? I don't know. Because it's kind of this, it's humorless. It's harsh. You know, it's sad boy porn. It just makes you, it makes you feel depressed about reality. But once in a while, you want that stuff. You want to watch A Requiem for a Dream or Devs the Show or... Uh, like Legion or something like that. You just want to feel, or Breaking Bad, you could even say, and stuff like that. The depth of uh, despair in humanity, emotional vortex. So that's what I did. And that's what I, I think I want to talk about it. I want to see if I can talk about it in a light way. Maybe by the end of this, I'll be depressed again, but hopefully not. Uh, so, I mean, like the show is just this vortex of kind of humorless, poetry-esque writing where everyone kind of has these like, small haikus of like how the world is screwed and it sounds like everyone's reading from the bible and all the decisions everyone's making are like world ending life important no one's cracking jokes no one's smiling 
And the plot, if I try to describe it to you, it's just so complex. I have no idea where to start. It'd be like verbally uh, solving a Rubik's Cube on the fly while explaining it to you. Because I still don't really fully understand. <laughs> I went on a bunch of Reddit boards last night and I tried to understand who the characters were. Like, remember Game of Thrones, how you couldn't remember, you're like, who's that character? Or why is that character mad at that guy? Or what's that guy's name? I can't remember. It's that times a thousand. I mean, it is just, it loops in on it itself. And so I'm going to try to word associate some random notes I jotted down, just like, you know, quick blurbs about it. And I just think like slam poetry vibes. So I'm going to try to slam poetry describe uh, this show and see if anything coherent emerges. Because otherwise, I would just be going in circles and I wouldn't be making sense. And I'd probably get bored with it too. So let's give it a try. So it takes place in Winham, Germany. Not sure if it's a real town. I think it's fictional. It's just this rainy, foggy place. And it's just, I don't think the sun has ever shined. I don't think it's ever been not gray or not raining. And where does fog come from all the time? Like, are there places on earth that are foggy all year long? I thought like fog comes through and leaves. I don't know the science behind fog, but it doesn't seem like it was, exists, you know, all the time. But, you know, it's a show, so they, they want you to see the fogginess. And there's ominous woods, there's caves, there's like a nuclear power plant with a dangerous secret in town, and it kind of just looms over everything. And there's this incomprehensible time travel plot. And this is like, I don't know if the guy who uh, wrote this was a quantum physics professor or is just super into that stuff, or is just taking crib notes from, you know, message boards and just throwing it up and making it sound important. But it seems like he had a vision and he had an idea of what time travel actually would look like and how it would exist and multiple realities happening at once. And there's like 33 year time separation timelines. Like it takes place in 2017, uh, 1984, I think. And then there's uh, like a 1951 and there's a nine there's an 1888 and there's a 1920 i mean there's all these different timelines and there's multiple characters who have two to three of their own selves at different ages and they're interacting with themselves at different ages sometimes they're even giving each other advice like an older one is telling the younger one what they need to do to break the chain but they're actually sometimes double crossing them and keeping the chain of events in place so that they can exist Oh, my head, my head hurts. <laughs> uh, and also, by the way, shout out to whoever the casting director for this was, because the older versions and the younger versions of these people are like spot on, and they're different. They're definitely different actors. They didn't like age them up or you know put on the Irishman makeup or just try to special effects them into looking the same person looking different. This is different actors at different points, and they look spot on for like when you were seventeen versus when you're thirty five versus when you're seventy two. And it makes you think, because I mean, whenever you look at yourself in the mirror, you still see the same person. And it's like, I wonder when you actually age like that. Like, I think I look younger now than I did. Well, I mean, like, I looked at some pictures from four years ago when I was like 50 pounds heavier and I had a full like orc beard and really long, thin, ratty hair. And I mean, this was uh, during a 4th of July weekend. So I was having a few beers too. So my face looked all puffy. But I was like, I look better now. So I don't know, maybe, maybe we just look at ourselves and we just see ourselves at the same age forever. I don't think I've, I mean, do you look at the mirror and you're like, man, I'm aging. Or you're looking in your eyes and you're like, oh, there's bags under my eyes or oh, my hair is thinning or I don't know. I look at the mirror and I, my body tells me like, hey, you look, you look 17, you look 18, you're doing great, buddy. Maybe that's us just trying to, trying to get along. But anyways, back to, uh, 
back to dark and the sadness that is. So, I mean, there's just like lots of murder. So many people get killed for, you're not sure. Sometimes it's for reasons to keep the patterns going so that everyone exists. Sometimes they're trying to break the cycle. Sometimes they're double crossing themselves or they're telling lies to get what they want. You're never really sure what people's motives are. I mean, people get stabbed, people get beaten, bludgeoned to death by rocks. Um, trying to think, people are choked, people kill their like mother in their bed and take the child out. People steal babies. And there is, the more I talk about it, like it seemed like a normal town that this crazy stuff happened to, but these people are terrible and they're just being mean to each other. It's like, this is, this is Mad Max levels, uh, Superdome, I mean, not Superdome, Thunderdome level, you know, craziness. And there's like freakish experiments on children. Like there's a creepy underground bunker with wallpaper, like kids wallpaper, but like there's an electrical machine that electrocutes and burns off the kid's eyes that somehow opens up time travel. I don't know. I don't know what it is about kids' eyes or like the innocence of kids that makes time travel open up. But apparently there's weird tattoos. There's a lot of talk about the fabric of time. Like the weird tattoos too are like Bible verses on people's back where they're like true believers. And you're like, my God, this is important. This is, you know, monumental Dante's Inferno level, seventh, seven levels of hell. Are we talking about the essence of humanity and is there heaven and hell? I mean, there's, there's weighty topics in this, in this show. <laughs> and I think that, I mean, I guess you can understand why I was bummed out after eight and a half hours. Cause I just finished season three of just trudging through this and you're just kind of waiting to get to the end. You're like, can, can anyone be happy at the end? Could that be okay? You know, could, could someone crack a smile please? And I mean, everyone talks like quiet poetry and they're, you know, reciting like, we only see a drop, but the world is an ocean kind of vibes. And there's a lot of people staring at paintings. You know what I mean? Like you walk into a room and someone has their hands folded behind them and they're wearing like a fancy suit and they're staring up at this giant tapestry waiting for you to kind of be like, what's going on? And you, they start going into a, like a Bond villain rant about how life is pain and suffering and how their future selves or past selves are going to do something or did something. I, it is, it is a headache. I mean, I even... I watched a few recap videos of season one and two before I d delved into this and it didn't help at all. <laughs> it's just, I mean, you just got to go with it. It's just, you know, you're, you're on a stage five river rapid by yourself with no, no protective gear, no floaty stuff, no floaties. No one's helping you. The only thing you can do is just go limp and hopefully your body, you know, doesn't crash against the rocks. And by the end of it, you have a great story or you feel satisfied that you made it or you're thankful that you made it. That's kind of, that's what this, that's what the show is. And it's like, there's this endless loop of existence. You know, they show the infinity mark all the time and the knot of infinity and the realities combining with each other. Cause there's multiple realities in this show. There's at least two different worlds and some people can bounce between one world or the other. Some people are meant for one world and some people's interaction between the two worlds can make the two worlds connect and stuff like that. I, I'm telling you, it's, I mean, if you're, if you've watched this show, you're nodding your head. You're like, yes, I don't, I don't understand what happened, but I'm fascinated by it. And this is, this is a good description. And I mean, talk about, you know, nihilist kind of views. It's just like everyone has a haunted past that they just can't escape from. Like no one ever leaves this town or, I mean, at a certain point, when you're with like your third version of yourself and you've killed people and like there's people in loony bins and there's just insanity everywhere. At a certain point when you're just like, I'm gonna take a vacation. Let's go. Cause it's only like 
25, 30 main characters, but they all seem to only interact with each other. At a certain point, I'd be like, I'm going to go to Australia. Or I'm going to go to Fiji. I'm going to meet Truman from the Truman Show in Fiji and just hang out with him. Or like go to Ibiza and just see a DJ set. Just relax because the world's ending anyway. So it's like, I might as well just get out of this internal loop. I mean, there's even crazy stuff like a lot of people, I mean, some people try and succeed to kill, kill themselves, but some people, when they try to kill themselves, like loaded guns don't work or someone will always interrupt if they're trying to hang themselves because they're, the other people have already seen the future, the self of them in that world. So it's impossible for them to die. And I don't know how that works time-wise, uh, timeline-wise. If you know that your future self is there, are you immune to dying or can you change the future when you know what it is? I've always thought that there's this whole determinism thing. Like if you know, if the future is planned out on these like tracks, then everything has to go up into that plan and you're going to react in the right way to get to that point. But if you know what the future is, that puts a chink in the armor of what's going to happen. So it's like in minority report or when you actually have an awareness of the future, you can make a decision to go otherwise. I was, I thought you could, but some, sometime arguments say otherwise. And I'm not a time expert. I'm not from Switzerland or Germany or I don't know clocks and, you know, time. And speaking of which, I mean, my God, there's so many pendants, like important lockets, there's keys, there's locks. I mean, there's just like lots of important symbolism in people's hands where they just keep rubbing something that they've had for like 30 years. And that's a trope that just seems to work in everything. Like if someone has, I mean, even from like Citizen Kane and Rosebud, you know, the uh, slut, spoiler alert from <laughs> 80 years ago. So sorry about that. But uh, it's just, they're hitting all the like, typical marks but they're just doing them they're doing them really well and in really complex stylized ways like uh the machines for time travel are these kind of 1920s tesla edison machines with you know lots of ornate kind of fixtures and buttons and they're trying to manipulate the god particle which i guess is a real thing i think when they try to recreate the big bang uh I think they did this in like 2010 or, or maybe like in the 1990s, they had the uh, super collider uh, where they could create the same particles that were around when the big bang occurred. And one of the particles I think is called the garb God particle. And, you know, they're using it in a hyperized way and saying like, this could be the, you know, key to time travel. And they, they showed in this really cool way. It's like this blow blue glowing orb with kind of this black, black like venom morph kind of exterior that gets smoothed when you can actually travel through it and otherwise it just looks gnarly and like virus like i mean whoever designed the show is they did a fantastic job and like i said they're just underground bunkers and there's like mysterious caves with uh like 19th 18th century uh like freemason but for time travel uh groups and stuff like that pocket watches that mean things and they Dive, they dive so deep into what time and what reality is that your head hurts. And sometimes, sometimes I want to be taken for a ride. I want someone more knowledgeable than me to kind of grab my hand and pull me aggressively through their, an explanation of what they're trying to get me through because I'm not going to understand it otherwise. So I just want to, I'll pick up little pieces I can as I go and I, I think I got it and then I don't have it. <laughs> and then I feel stupid and I feel frustrated, but then you keep going to try to get rid of that feeling and like i said there's knots connecting worlds quantum entanglement is a word used a lot sounds good i don't <laughs> i don't know what it means it's like yeah it's quantum entanglement quite 
uh, and there's an apocalypse that happens because of the time travel where like that God particle like kind of takes over the town and explodes. And I mean, I, so it's like the apocalypse, but a lot of people survive. So I'm not sure if it's like the apocalypse apocalypse, but, and it's, I mean, they keep saying the apocalypse over and over again. I mean, when you can put the apocalypse in your show, it seems like that adds a uh, weightiness and resonance that people like, They're like Oh, let's show about the apocalypse. Let's go into this. Lots of biblical works and, you know, biblical uh, passages and like even the book writings that they write on time travel look like Bibles and these little, little leather bound books with these like three prong insignias for like Sigmundus, I think is the term. I'm not sure what that means in German, but that's what they're called. Their Sigmundus is the, uh, the like country club for time travel people. <laughs> And, you know, a lot of Dante's Inferno references. There's deformed burn victims. Yeah, that's right. There's like multiple deformed burn victims. There's crazy old men with scars and like mental issues. And like that, there's one crazy old guy that just keeps saying tick tock, tick tock. And it's just, it seems silly, but it just, with the show and the drabness and the like intensity of it, it just works and adds to this kind of hypnotic creepiness to it. And the music is just bizarre. It's like, you know, those inception. And when you watch Inception, all those booms where it's like, wom, wom, like those just keep resonating out. There's untuned string quartets that just kind of make you nervous all the time. Like someone's sneaking up on you or going to tap you on the shoulder. I think they use the same kind of thing for the music when the Joker was on screen uh, during the Dark Knight. It's just this like unnerving kind of tense uh, bowstring. And you're like, "Eh, I don't don't like this. And there's like lots of Victorian, uh, like, uh furniture and all persian rugs everything's candle lit when people murder people they murder by piano wire sometimes some people have some really unsettling facial deformities like facial scars hair lips and everyone just seems mad at the world and everyone hates their lot in life and can't figure a way out of this it's like it's a euphemism for like life like life is pointless and you can't figure a way out and it's like everyone's just doing what they instinctively know to do even though it's failure it's like you know the the definition of idiocy is repeating yourself over and over again expecting a different result this is all these people are doing (laughs) and it's like this allegory for life and you're like like, is that my life am i just in a maze you know trying to defeat imaginary like imaginary enemies and trying to uh defeat the bad in my life but i'm really just going in circles and you're like oh i need to take a i need to take a lukewarm bath and think about this (laughs) and you know everyone on the show no one is faithful to their husband or wife there's cheating there's you know secret gay people and i mean there's uh you know kids out of wedlock there's uh stories of people who aren't who aren't with who they say they were from their past even like the two main characters take on the names adam and eve rather than their full names because they're just like so lofty in what they're trying to accomplish and how intense this is that they, I mean, they don't even think their names do it justice, justice anymore. They need to be godlike creatures. And it's just this labyrinth view, you know what I mean? Where it's like they're constantly going through this maze and they can't figure a way out. I think the name Ariadne is in there somewhere, who is the girl who, you know, went through the Minotaur's maze. And that's the name of the chicken inception too. But who, who names it get Ariadne? Now, I mean, Christopher Nolan, that was a little irresponsible. I just feel like that took me out of the movie a little bit. But I mean, like, the whole idea of a labyrinth that rather than trying to focus on your way out and try to get like out on the exterior, you got to kind of just 
focus in on going in depth into like deep into the belly of the beast and figuring out a way to get to the center somehow. I guess labyrinths are just lofty, uh, important things in a lot of these TV shows. Like if you think of Westworld and the man in black and his whole thing was get to the center of the labyrinth. And so I think that's with time travel. I think that's just a nice, it just, it centers you. You're like, okay, there's a maze. They're trying to solve it. Like you get, you get the weightiness of the story then. And this show is a struggle. I mean, it's a full hour episode every time and it's exhausting to watch because it's in German too. So it's subtitled and it's one of those shows. There's shows that you can love, but like halfway through, you're like, how long into this am I? You know, you pause it and you say you're 24 minutes in. You're like, darn it. Like I got a lot more to go. I mean, there's show that show Twin Peaks is like that. Devs was kind of like that. And what other shows? Mr. Robot sometimes is like that. Just the shows that don't, let off the sadness uh, gas pedal, kind of take a lot out of you by the end of it. But the last 10 minutes always, always, always hits you really hard with the show. They usually use like an emotionally tearing song and like a really kind of intense scene and it sucks you back in. You're like, okay, I'm pumped up again. I'm ready for it again. So it's like, it's kind of like a roll. Every episode is the, it's 50 minutes of roller coaster anticipation and then 10 minutes of the actual ride. So it's like, 50 minutes, you know, you're just click, 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 up, 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 up. And then finally you get that release for that five to 10 minutes. And you're also, I mean, I wouldn't even include the waiting in line as part of it. So it's really annoying, but it sucks you in and they know what they're doing. And like I said, German, German isn't the sexiest language to listen to for 28 hours. It's guttural and sad and it's void of positive emotion. And I don't know, just something about it. Just this is kind of like stiff upper, upper lip kind of vibe to it. It's just not fun to listen to for that long and especially when they're talking about dreary kind of life but it kind of resonates by the end of it and you spent uh 48 lifetimes with these characters at all age levels like you know every interior of like this reality with this character this reality with that character what happens if they murder this person uh why did this person lie to that person you get you get every aspect you don't feel like you're getting you're missing out on any part of them and like I said before, the sci-fi time travel tech stuff was really well done. Uh, the God particle looked really gnarly. At some point, they have these gold balls that you kind of like steampunk uh, Rubik's Cube fix into uh, conducting into time travel and you kind of just, you know, snap out of existence. And there's also like 1880s electricity kind of uh, poles that are uh, shocking the God particle into a time travel orb. So that was really cool. So it's like, a 1900s quantum physics professor's wet dream, basically. The show just seems really clean, too. It's like got that Breaking Bad level of a Swiss precision watch where all the pieces, all the pieces matter and they all get explained. There's no, there's no plot line for a plot line's sake or you're not like, oh, what happened to this? Everything's explained. So, and that's hard to do with this show. I mean, everything's explained. And that's the hard thing with sci-fi in general is that the ending is rarely as satisfying as the curiosity leaving, leading up to it. It kind of usually ends on a depressing or a neutral note, like those 1970s kind of drab sci-fi movies like Invasion of the Body Snatchers, Dune. Uh, they just, there's a cold metallicness to them and it's kind of hard to twist that around at the end to make you feel positive when the story's kind of all been about kind of the negative or, or negative aspects of life and not really had like a moral compass. It's more the coldness of uh, the planets and of uh, science. 
But, uh, I mean, the acting was all around fantastic. They did a really good job. I don't know if these people are famous in Germany, but they should be. They did a good job. I'd like to see one of them smile, though, or have a sandwich, or have an ice cream cone or something. Because everyone makes you feel sad and lost and uncomfortable. And that's the point, I guess, because, I mean, it's the apocalypse. I mean, you're not supposed to be, you know, skipping rope and uh, eating licorice. Licorice? I mean, who eats licorice nowadays? (laughs) Yeah, screw black licorice. It's terrible. I still, I'll mess with red licorice, but... I don't even think kids eat that. So like Sour Patch Kids. So eating Sour Patch Kids or uh, Funfetti or something like that. Or those zebra cakes. Oh, man, those were good. But like I said, it's confusing. It's mind-bending. This whole show folds into itself. And you kind of shake your head and you want to cry half the time. But uh, there's cathartic moments. Like, it, because it takes you down so low, it's almost like you have Stockholm Syndrome. And it's like they're nice to you for a minute after beating you senselessly for 50 minutes. And you're like, well, maybe not so bad. I mean, they, they like me now. And you're like, oh no, that's not good. I got Stockholm syndrome on a TV show. But I mean, at the same time, it's like, like why is climbing Everest, you know, entertaining? It's because after all the trudging and, you know, hardship, you get to the top. So that it's running a marathon. This is like pushing your capacity for confusion. You're, gonna, you're kind of a glutton for the inexplainable. And by the end, I was kind of dragged into the, even though I was dragged at the finish line and couldn't do it, the last two episodes, I was so pumped. It was midnight. I was alone. I turned off all my lights in my house. I was lifting weights in the dark. And I let the kind of resonance of the show wash over me. And it's an entertainment sacrifice for like that six ton emotional payoff. And it sticks an appropriate landing. And it's satisfying enough while staying staying pretty true to the 28 hours you've been following it. So that's pretty much my interpretation of dark. And I'm glad I'm out of this dark hole, (laughs) pun intended. Then I go take a cold shower and eat some guacamole and like watch the Care Bears. And then I'll have until I until I get my faith restored back in humanity. Maybe SpongeBob too. So Adventure Time, Archer. I don't know, just stuff stuff that makes me smile because this this show made me frown and made my eyes gloss over and question the existence of time and reality. So if that seems like something for you, then. Uh, Have at it. If you're having too good a time in life, you know, delve into this and feel worse. (laughs) Bye.